Welcome to Interior Analysis. I'm Evan Westman. And I am your new co-host, Jelani Kelly. And today we're going to be doing Shrek. So this is kind of a follow-up a little bit to our three-act structure episode. So Shrek is kind of one of like maybe two movies that I just... I saw it when I was so young that I feel like I've kind of always seen it. Like I literally can't remember the first time that I did because it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it came out when I was like two, I think. And I, I, as I said, I don't know when the first time I saw it was, but it's just kind of like ingrained in me yeah. somehow, which like, I don't know if that's the case for you because like, I think you're like two years older than me, which because of the time frame like actually does kind of make a difference yeah did you see it like that younger or anything or i probably did i don't definitely don't remember the first time seeing it i definitely don't think i saw it in theaters did you ever read the book for it either see now when you ask this question i did not know it was ba- is it based on a book it is incredibly loosely based on a book so William Steig is the author. He does like a lot of kids' books. I, I think he's dead now. Um, I think he actually died before the first one came out. There's like the bare minimum from the book that's actually in the movie because basically the book is like Shrek lives in a swamp. He finds like this witch who tells him he's going to go. There's like a princess who's even uglier than he is and they're like destined for each other. And then he finds a donkey that talks that has like nothing else he just talks of the personality of donkey from the movie and like goes and like torches a knight i think oh wow it it actually really has nothing that like the movie does it like really leans into shrek being like awful but it like kind of enjoys that sort of it's like children's books can be dark man like those grim fairy yeah, tales yeah it's like <laughs> Well, I, I don't even know if it's really commenting on par- on fairy tales, but I know he, like, he runs into a peasant or something and is, like, I forget what he does. He, like, cooks his chicken with, like, laser vision or something. What? He has, like, a couple of weird powers that he doesn't in this movie. Yeah, I think he... Ha- I, it's been years since I read it, but I know there's something like that. He, like, makes a peasant faint or something with, like, his... I don't know, ogre breath or something. But basically, like, the whole myth of, like, what ogres are in the movie is, like, kind of what he does in the book, I think. Mm. Yeah, but basically that's all that carries over from the book. Is that the same book that he's reading in the beginning and he tears the page out of? No, that's... I, I really don't know what that is. And they use that same device, I think, in the next three yeah. movies. It, yeah, the, the book at the beginning has nothing to do with the actual book. Oh. Uh. Yeah, that framing device has always actually kind of confused me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, the reason I picked this is because I think it's a really good example of, like, something that's a very simple A to B character journey. Like, It we, is. Yeah, and, like, as I was watching it, like, I forgot how short it was. Like, it wastes no time yeah. on, like, anything. It's pretty much just, like, Shrek's journey and that's it it's like 80 minutes long i think which even for a kid's movie is like short Mm -hmm. so the first topic i want to get into with this is um crafting shrek as a protagonist because i like as i said it's like there's some really simple stuff that's like really on the surface with this a lot of times there's i mean pretty much every movie arguably has like a character arc or a journey or something but mm-hmm. I feel like it's just a lot easier to see with this. So first of all, do you think this is an effective character journey? I do, but I don't want to assume that you do. Yeah, I, I do. He has flaws and wants to be alone and stuff, playing into the stereotypes people um, put on him. By the end, he's flipped those on his on its head based on you know the people he's met and mar- an ogre marrying a princess. That also happens to be an ogre. It might go deeper than that, but that's just what I thought on the surface level. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit deeper stuff to be dug into, but most of it, like, they honestly kind of talk about, like, the themes and the... They don't, like, explicitly spell out the character journey, but they come pretty close, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, um, we talked a little bit in the 3X Structure episode about, like, how you want there to be a before and after picture. If you take like the first image we see of shrek and the last one they're like about as different as possible he's living 
completely alone in his swamp in like the first shot we see of him and then the last one there's like all the fairy tale creatures and he's riding off on his honeymoon which is right. about as different of a contrast as you can expect like, yeah as i was looking through like the character construction of him again it's i'm probably going to keep saying this it's really simple over like the past month i've been reading this book creating character arcs by km wyland which i feel like is referenced a ton nowadays throughout the book it talks about like the lie your character believes is like the central thing that his character changes about so i see shrek's lie that he believes as i'm better off alone which he says at a certain point not super early but he's kind of implicitly saying it throughout the first half of the movie i think yeah i think he explicitly says it after they rescue the princess when he's like sitting on the edge of the cliff or something yeah and i want to talk about that moment later yeah so did i yeah because like i think it's i think that the timing of that is interesting Mm -hmm. so like at the beginning we kind of see that he's like i think you mentioned this he kind of accepts like his stereotype that like everyone in like all the humans see him as like a dangerous ogre which Mm -hmm. he's not but he kind of like lets them think that because it's keeping him safe Mm -hmm. but i think it's an important distinction that he's not aggressive you know like the at the beginning like the people come to him to attack he's not like actively going out and terrorizing people which i think is kind of like something that did happen in the original book was like that was kind of his thing was that he did go out and terrorize people that's something that's very that he very much doesn't do here like he wants to be isolated there's kind of a thing where everyone outside is like stigmatizing him throughout the whole movie which i think is important like the lie that he believes is kind of rooted in a truth which is that the human world is probably never going to accept him right that's consistent throughout which i think that's important because there's like some kids movies that i feel like would kind of do that where they end up changing like everyone else's perspective at the same time and I'm glad they don't do that here. Mm. I don't know if it's the greatest comparison, but like Zootopia is kind of a movie that does that where it's like they flip the stereotypes on like a societal level, which works for that movie. Like I'm not trying to throw shade at it, but I think it wouldn't have come off the same way if they did that here. So I think that's a good choice to not. But like on a character level, I think the important thing is that he is embracing this stereotype because it's it's helpful to him it's kind of like the um Tyrion Lannister quote never forget what you are um because no one else will and like wear it like armor so that it can't be used to hurt you like he's I think he's kind of embodying that why did Tyrion Lannister say that I've never Uh, watched Game of Thrones so I wouldn't he's a dwarf um which is what he's talking about there and like that's something he gets super judged for um so like the the main other thing that I think is interesting about this is that Shrek actually seems pretty aware of his problem, which is something that... I don't know if you don't see it a lot, but... It's normally hidden, right? Like, well, within the character, and, like, they're not necessarily aware of, like, their their flaw. Yeah, that's usually the case. And I wouldn't say he's totally aware of it, but he's pretty aware of it. Like, mm-hmm. we end up seeing later, like, after maybe a half hour or so, that, like, he actually does think about his like the prejudice that's placed on him all that kind of stuff a lot Mm -hmm. it's clearly not coming to the surface for him now again i don't think he's like totally self-aware at least not to the point that like he i don't think he realizes that he doesn't want to be alone or like he doesn't entertain that as a possibility so he just shoves it away but he does seem to be pretty aware of like I'm not what everyone thinks I am, but they're just going to keep thinking it, so why bother fighting it? Mm-hmm. So this is something that I think follows pretty classically into three-act structure. We kind of have talked about this already. So like, there's the classic before and after change, and looking at the timing of everything, like in terms of like the exact minute that everything happens, it pretty much is following like standard three acts i would say the inciting incident is when the fairy tale creatures show up in his yard mm-hmm. and that happens at like 12 13 minutes which according to like almost all metrics is like exactly where you want that to happen yep. and then 
the end of Act One, he's sent off to rescue Fiona, which is 26 minutes in. So given that this is like an 80 minute movie, like that's almost exactly a quarter of the way through, a little bit more. The midpoint, he and Donkey rescue Fiona 40 minutes, so like exactly the middle. And then when he like overhears Donkey and Fiona and he goes back to his swamp, like that's a little bit of a long sequence, but approximately 60, 65 minutes. So right three quarters of the way through. And then the climax obviously is at the end. But basically like this is about as close to like perfectly following 3x structure as you can get. And it works, yep. which is why I wanted to, sh- to talk about it, because like I think it's a good example of something to follow, where it's like, as long as everything's motivated, it can work. And I would say everything here, not everything, but everything that's important is motivated here. Can I just add that I cannot stand when somebody overhears something in a movie or TV show and they misinterpret it and then walk away before it's ever for further explained as to what the heck they're talking about. Like, if he would have stayed for just a second longer, he would have known that Fiona wasn't talking about him. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Like, I, I'm, I haven't seen a ton of Friends, but I want to say that Friends is a show that does that a lot. Or maybe just sitcoms in general do that a lot. Where mm. it's like, I think it's supposed to be frustrating as an audience, but it's also frustrating, I think because we know it's like a little bit contrived yep so we know it's gonna get end up getting fixed in the end anyway so why does it happen in the first place yeah well in this case i'm gonna i'm gonna come out a little bit in defense of this particular example i do agree that it's frustrating but i think it is a little bit rooted in like their character flaws Mm. shrek is hearing what he expects to hear in this case Mm. so it's like it's it's not just that i'm not thinking of any other example of of what you're talking about but i think in a lot of cases those are a little bit more like situational Mm -hmm. and in this case it's like directly addressing the thing that shrek is afraid of the most and like he spent the whole movie or not the whole thing but at least like the last few days kind of realizing that okay maybe there are like people out there and who can actually like see him for who he is and not mind that he's an ogre and now he hears this and it's like dispelling all of that mm-hmm. so i i get what you're saying i agree that it maybe is kind of a weak choice but it is at least rooted in some kind of character true so i i had a question with this too because i don't feel like there's a whole lot of choices that shrek actually makes but it still kind of works so why do you think that might be because the way i see it the only choices he really makes are like pretty much in act three like when he chooses to like go back to his swamp and then later when he goes and rescues fiona aside from that i don't feel like there's he has a whole lot of agency didn't he also choose like he didn't have to go to uh, Farquaad or whatever, Duloc, to, to get those creatures out of his home. But I guess based on his character, that wouldn't have been much of a choice there. I I, I, I guess I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah, like it's he not... he accepts the quest, too. It yeah. is a decision, so... But it is kind of an, a non-decision. I guess going to see Farquaad isn't... Like, he could have, I guess let all the fairy tale creatures stay but that's a lot to ask of him like i don't really blame him for not wanting to do that i don't know how to feel about like the decision to go rescue fiona because like i do feel like that's kind of a Mm non-choice because it's either do it or die at that point exactly it's not really a choice again i think it works so i've never really felt like that's a problem Mm -hmm. but maybe it's Maybe it could have been stronger in that sense because it is kind of it's not like he's on rails per se, but it's he's not there because of any choices that he's made. He's, he is kind of being forced into it. Right. Um, going back to the the uh, thing we were talking about earlier with the, um, that speech you were talking about mm-hmm. in the middle. So there's two moments that like we really hear him talk about like. The this, this stuff that he's been thinking about in terms of, like, prejudice and, like, 
his relationship to like the rest of the world where like he thinks everyone's going to shut him out so there's the ogres are like onion speech which is right after he decides to take the quest Mm -hmm. and then after they rescue fiona he's talking to donkey about like getting back to his swamp and how he's like going to keep everyone out because clearly nobody else wants him around right so correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think there's like any kind of beat in any structure models that dictates when something like this should happen it just but it does kind of feel right Mm -hmm. like i like the timing of both of those moments yes so what is that moment supposed to be called in the three-act structure like well that's kind of what i'm saying like i don't think there is one like i don't think that's hitting anything that's been prescribed mm -hmm. maybe someone else can correct us on this i mean the ogres are like onion speech is like kind of the central point of the whole movie like for one thing everyone it's kind of the moment everyone remembers and for another thing it's the biggest expression of his character that ogres have layers like again it's very on the surface it's very explicit and then it gets even more on the surface when we get to the other scene with the moon right yeah he's he's just flat out saying and i think they can get away with this because you know it's a kid's movie but he's very verbal about well at that point he's very verbal about what his feelings are as far as you know the prejudice and all of that plus before he even gets in this speech and i never realized this line before um when donkey was saying they're just a bunch of little dots in the sky the stars and then shrek says sometimes things are more than they appear i've well up until this point of analyzing the film i've never like took that line in before i've definitely heard it but i never realized what he was saying at this point and it's been a while since i've watched shrek anyway but yeah. yeah, it's kind of a moment where he's, like, showing a softer side to him without any mm-hmm. real, like, provocation. He's just kind of, like, chilling, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree that, like, maybe because it's a kid's movie, it does get away with it a bit. But I, I would say, like, it's kind of forced out of him a little bit. Like, Donkey's egging him on, basically, in that scene. Yeah. And he doesn't... Like, but that follows his character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it works. At the end of the day, I I don't mind that it is so on the surface. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it maybe isn't quite as like organic as it could be. So I guess this is a good way to segue into the minor characters. Mm-hmm. So I guess first we should talk about Donkey. The way I see it, like his main function, aside from being the comic relief and like the main thing everyone, I think, initially loved about the movie, he's basically there to like show shrek that not everyone's gonna care that he's an ogre like their meeting scene we don't know for sure but i think it's possibly the first time that anyone has like actually bothered to talk to shrek at least for a while because i mean just from like the their like reactions in that moment shrek's like wait why is this happening like there's something wrong with you because you're not scared of me i think this moment Donkey following him all the way home and him allowing Donkey to follow him home also shows that it's believable that he could change over the course of the movie to show that, you know, he's not really all that much of a bad guy. Like, he's not pushing Donkey completely away. Like, he's, yeah, insulting him or, um, you know, taking jabs at him or or whatever. But short of physical violence, I would say he's doing, like, he's employing, like, all of his defense mechanisms basically mm-hmm. and it's not working yeah mm-hmm. I, I think that's important too that like he actually does go as far as he's willing to go and donkey's still willing to stick around like it kind of proves that like mm-hmm. donkey doesn't care about any of his like ogerness i guess it's like his way of providing warnings like you're not gonna i guess yeah yeah like you said defense mechanism yeah his way of providing warnings like you, you, you shouldn't be following me yeah their meeting scene i think is possibly one of the most important ones it's it's small and it's like it's kind of a one-off scene it's mostly just eddie murphy like monologuing Mm -hmm. and like i don't know i've been i'm a little bit obsessed with sidekicks and basically i see donkey as like a way over eager sidekick i don't know if he's a good one in a lot of ways Mm. like he's what shrek needs 
but like he's basically there to just push all of his buttons like and irritate him yeah i don't know where i'm going with that exactly i'd say like you said it was it's he's like supposed to be a compliment to to shrek if we didn't have donkey it'd just be shrek i guess talking to himself the whole movie or an over eager an ogre over eager sidekick as opposed to um they're like a, a good contrast i'd say because shrek is trying to be closed off and donkeys you know, right he's to, like super outgoing like hey yeah what are you about bro i've been writing a movie about sidekicks for the past few months and i actually i'm not gonna keep the scene but i wrote a scene with donkey in it as like just kind of a character exercise mm-hmm. i i had him like basically say like yeah my main tactic is just like annoyance is it all original characters or is you just threw donkey in there or yeah i threw him as a in as a one-off because like i wanted it's i won't get into the whole thing with like what i'm writing with it, but basically like my character goes and consults a bunch of like legendary sidekicks from like other stories and he's oh, okay. like one of them and i just i don't think this that scene's gonna stay in the movie now but mm. um i did write a scene with that mm. of like the five characters that i use in that montage he's probably like the least helpful of them mm. i don't know what the process was of like writing him in but i think most of why his character is the way it is is because of eddie murphy's performance like mm-hmm. this might be the most iconic eddie murphy character ever probably just like um marty is for chris rock from madagascar oh yeah i don't even know if i've seen chris rock in anything else exactly <laughs> that's yeah maybe that's why um he's also a little bit like before my time i guess yeah i think he he kind of peaked in the 90s and like mm. yeah do you have anything else you want to say about him like any more points with it no. I, I think he, he when I was, I was a child he was definitely the most memorable character probably because he did talk the most but i found him hilarious when i was a kid and i still found him pretty funny now like even just the facial expressions he was making was it's cracked me up to this day so yeah it's like it's it's one of like those perfect blends between like actor and character and Mm -hmm. honestly like i feel like they don't like there's a lot of celebrity voice talent in animation today but i feel Mm -hmm. like none of them really utilize it the same way just the way that like donkey moves in accordance with the pacing of like how eddie murphy acts yep i don't feel like i see that that much Mm -hmm. anymore like a little bit probably in like inside out i feel like joy does that with like amy poehler but Uh, you look at a lot of other stuff they i don't feel like they're using the actor to like their fullest extent well we'll get into like perfectly casting when when we do the boys because oh oh, yeah and the villain in that perfectly cast yeah i just i just watched the first episode last night and like honestly i was not expecting much but now i'm like this is good like it's good yes i've converted another but also on the note of casting this will transition us into fiona Mm -hmm. the only thing i don't like about her character honestly is the casting of cameron diaz yeah is it her voice I think it was our voice for me. It's too bad, because, like, I think Fiona's a really good character that, like, elevates this movie and the whole series a lot. Although, mm-hmm. she doesn't really have a whole lot to do in the other movies. I, I don't know who they should have cast instead, but I, I'm really not a fan of the way Car- Cameron Diaz plays her. But I, I think her character, like, on all other levels is really good. Mm-hmm. I really like that they give her an arc in this, and you can't really see it the first time. Because she seems ter- stereotypical at first, like yeah, princess type. Right, but thing. like once once you get to the end and you look back, you can see the motivation in everything that she does. True. Even like some things that seem kind of unreasonable. Like I hadn't really realized it until I went and did this analysis. I get why, kind of the same way as you do with Shrek, like the world of the story is really informing mm-hmm. like how she believes her role in the world is like and we don't get all of that in this one but in the sequels we end up seeing like she's been fed this idea her whole life that like it has mm-hmm. to be this like one certain type of guy that comes and rescues her yeah like why would she believe anything else because like this has just been fed to her forever her one goal basically 
is to have the spell broken. Mm. Her arc is basically all about, like, broadening her idea of how that can happen. But I don't blame her for, like, anything, any expectations that she has, because... And, again, we don't get into this so much in the first one, but, like, in the second movie, we see, like, that actually the whole thing has been, like, set up between her dad and the fairy godmother. Um, like, it actually took me a while to figure that out, too, but, like, apparently, like, there's a whole deal between them that's, like, the reason that... And we shouldn't get too into it here, but it's, like, sort of important for her character that this has been fed to her basically from birth. Mm -hmm. So she's having to get disillusioned from stuff that she's thought mm -hmm. probably forever. I'd argue the, the second one is just as good as the first. Like, I really enjoyed the second one. I, I do too. I think I've seen Shrek 2 more times than any yes. other movie. Yeah. I want to say that was like the first movie that we owned on DVD. Or maybe not the first, but one of the first ones. That was at that like time when things were transitioning from VHS to DVD. I know Shrek 1 was out on VHS, but I'm pretty sure 2 was not. Yeah, that's that's actually how I um, how I watched this movie. I had to get my dad to bring the DVD to me because it wasn't on any of the streaming. I have like four streaming services and none of them had Shrek on them, which is a crime. But yeah, um, I was going to mention this earlier, what it meant. I didn't know that's what that's the segment we were on. But what it meant for me, because so every every Friday night is what my dad, brother and I would call uh, family night. And we'd watch at least one movie, sit down together and stop everything. We'd probably normally eat during the movie or something or eat before the movie and then like have popcorn or something during watching a movie. But we'd have like we have a shelf full. We still have a shelf full of uh, DVDs. And Shrek, uh, and Shrek 2 were one of the ones we'd watch over and over plenty of times with other movies like uh, Spider-Man, the, the Raimi ones, uh. which is why that holds some sort of the stuff. Even back then, though, I still did not like Tobey Maguire because even back then I knew dude did not belong in high school. <laughs> you know, the, the Raimi movies, X-Men, I think we had X-Men 2 before any, any of the other ones, a bunch of old movies. For some reason, my brother would lot, watch like you know Van Helsing, the one with Hugh Jackman? Uh, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. That's one that my brother would choose, like, every week it was... Oh, we'd also rotate whose turn it was to pick the movie. And that when it was his turn, he would damn near always pick Van Helsing. I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. Why again? Again. That, that's Yeah, Shrek has definitely a nostalgic value for me because I still have it on DVD. Yeah, I think it's nostalgic for just about everyone. Also, mm -hmm. just, to, just to round it out, I... I actually just this week finally saw the second and third Raimi movies. Really? And You've never seen them? I hadn't, but uh, there's this guy that I've been working with who loves the Raimi trilogy, and he kept talking about it, and I was like, all right, you know what? I, I made a deal with him. He has to go watch Inception, which he hasn't. Oh. Um, but I, I was like, you know what? Just to be able to... Because I kept making like all the points i normally make about the raimi spider-man mm -hmm. movies and how they're terrible but i was like okay i think i have to actually watch these to back it up that should be an so episode I'm... we do in the future 100 <sighs> percent. I, I want you i want to hear you rail on it i want to hear you rail we should just do all all three of them of all three of them at once yep all three at once and i want to <laughs> hear you rail on them because the nostalgia goggles for some of these people that watch this movie are too strong. Spider-Man 2, I think, was the greatest of this trilogy. But that's... Oh, yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. But it's still, like, structurally, they're, yeah. they're pretty... They're actually pretty... Well, the first two are sound. The third one... No. I don't know what no. they were doing with the third one. No. Structurally. But, mm -hmm. like, <sighs> Tobey Maguire just no. is... He ain't he's, it. He's as bad as Daniel Radcliffe in the Harry Potter movies. Ooh. I would say. Burn. Okay, Actually, no. He's worse than that. Um, he's as bad as Daniel Radcliffe in like the first two movies when he's ten, uh, and Tobey Maguire is like twenty five or whatever. In this. Yeah, yeah. I, I even back then I made fun <laughs> wow. of him for looking like a forty year old in high school. I was like, dude, what is this guy doing with all of these actual? And even and I didn't realize until I was older. What are these like older kids like? They were at least over like twenty, the 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 crowd of high school students, but. Those movies, we we should definitely. I think we should do. I would. I just want to hear you rant, because that'd be <laughs> freaking hilarious. Well, it'd be a little bit off brand, but uh, at some point, yeah, I think we should do that. 
Yes. Maybe soon, just because I've seen them so recently. I but have all anyway. three on DVD as well. And I think all three are on Netflix. The third one's on Netflix. The third one, okay. I had to, yeah. I had to spend money on the second one Ooh. against my will. But Ooh. I was like, you know what? I just want to be able to win this argument. So, <laughs> But anyway, back to uh, back to the Shrek movies. Yes. So, do did you have anything else you want to say for Fiona? I think I actually have a couple more points. But. Not really, just lay it on me. So just like a couple other moments that I think are like pretty important for, as I said, like all of her actions are motivated, but we don't understand it at first. But I think like what's important for her is her resilience after being after being rescued. Within maybe like 12 hours, she's kind of turning it around and is like, okay, maybe I can make the best of this. He's trying to be nice to Shrek and Donkey, which is like probably one of the most important moments for Shrek's arc that after the first impression, someone is willing to get to know him at some level, which I think is, again, we don't know for sure, but it might be the first time that that's ever happened for him. Mm -hmm. It's like a pretty big moment. And then there's the fight with Robin Hood's men and it's kind of just a fun scene but then it's a major thing where like he's misinterpreted his first impression of someone so he's kind of like able to put a mirror to himself and be like okay I do this too Mm -hmm. so like their grace period with each other is like kind of extended I think don't they only know each other for like two days before they get married and say like I love you and all that like talk about moving fast yeah so i think there's a lot that can be uh there there are probably some holes to be poked in that it's not nearly as egregious as like some disney movies oh god yeah frozen um went off about it yeah it is it is a fast turnaround um yeah like oh you're an ogre too oh cool let's get married like yeah and uh, well, it cuts to the wedding, so we don't know how long it is, but, I mean... Oh, yeah, between the... them... Oh, no, 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 it was the same day, wasn't it? Because she said, why wait, let's get married today? And no, Shrek went back one. to his swamp? What? Yeah, but that didn't... That didn't... Um, I don't think their wedding was until, like, you know, there's it, like, cuts to them at the swamp, and we don't know how long later it is. But even so, it is kind of a fast turnaround. Yeah. It wasn't, like, months later or anything. Probably not. I mean, there's n- there's really no way to know. True. But it's... I think we can assume it wasn't that long. Mm-hmm. Although, again, compared to some other um, movies with princesses and weddings in them, not that fast of a turnaround by comparison. Punzel. Which isn't saying much, but it is kind of playing off that trope a little bit because that's kind of another thing is that like this movie was made i I know there's like some honestly kind of bureaucracy behind this movie in terms of like why it does so much with really calling out disney movies which i Mm -hmm. think disney movies kind of took the heart almost immediately and started like changing their brand a little bit and being Mm -hmm. a little bit more like self-deprecating but if you want the actual information on this, look this up because I'm not super knowledgeable about it. But I know, like, at some point in the 90s, like, the head of Disney got kicked out for some reason. And then he went over to DreamWorks and made Shrek. And I think it was kind of like a oh. middle finger to Disney. Like, you guys can be all fun, but look at my guy. Like, And he's, yeah. like, making fun of, like, everything that Disney stands for. And basically, like, okay, what is every character... Well, I guess he even went into some characters that, like, Disney does own, like Cinderella and Snow White. Mm-hmm. Also, sort of unrelated, but sort of not. I'm going to assume you've seen the new Geico commercials with Pinocchio in it. Yes. So, I'm pretty sure the, like, high-pitched voice they have him do... Oh, it's from Shrek. Yeah. I think it's only in Shrek. Yep. I'm pretty sure that wasn't, like, part of the... Uh, I don't know if there's like Pinocchio lore, but like <laughs> I don't think he's ever shown as like having that voice except in Shrek. Yep, because he didn't have it in the Div- Disney movie. He didn't, mm-hmm. and like you know, I think they like I've seen that as like a elementary school musical, and I like it's not part of it that he's all like squeaky, mm-hmm. but he is in this, and like now that's kind of I guess canon mm-hmm. for him, which is like nuts that like this movie that he's in for literally 
like 20 seconds. I mean, he's in the other ones for, more, for longer, but yeah. Fair, but like it starts off in this one. He's in it for 20 seconds, and now like that's what we remember mm-hmm. this character as, not the Disney one. Granted, this one's newer, but like that's still impressive on some level, I think. Yep. I never actually realized that till you just pointed it out. It, it took me a while, but I was like, I, I guess because like that commercial's been playing so much recently, mm-hmm. and then I was doing this, I was like, wait a minute. Who said Pinocchio has to talk like this? Right. I was like, I think it's Shrek that said that. I think yeah. it's the only one. Why can't he talk like a Italian mobster? Oh, that would be fun. That'd be fun. <laughs> Godfather, <laughs> the uh, Disney live-action reboot, um, has like some Marlon Brando guy going. I want to be a real one. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> That would be that would be a lot of fun. No way Disney that'd be do that. definitely different from all the other remakes they made. But that's another topic. Yeah, that that's yeah. So the only other real minor character is Farquaad, who I looked into him kind of a lot, but I feel like he's kind of the most inconsistent part of this movie, which is why I didn't like. Really? I mean, I did read into it way deep, but I kind of realized maybe he's a little inconsistent. Hmm inconsistent how well not like super inconsistent i i was like wondering a lot about his i guess most of his like motivations for why he's like imprisoning all of these or at least rooting out all of these fairy tale creatures and like mm-hmm. him being short i'm like is he outsourcing like the otherness or something like that and like trying to get people to like ignore how short he is or something by because like n- nobody seems to care that he's short Aside from, you know, Shrek, but Shrek already has plenty of reasons to hate him. Yeah. But, like, like, we never see a moment of anyone, like, any of his people or his soldiers, like, laughing at him for being short, which is kind of point. a route that I think a lot of movies would have taken. I feel like there's a lot of villains they do that with. I'm maybe on examples, but. Maybe that's a message to his own prejudice about himself being short and him thinking other people think he's short, even though nobody really sees him like that besides his enemy. Yeah, and 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 it's not even like I don't think Shrek ever like says that to his face, but like yeah. even even in like the later movies, like there's I don't know if you remember, but there's that scene at the end of the third Shrek movie, which I know people hate on for some reason shrek's calling out prince charming or whatever and i'm surprised now that i think of it that there's no moment like that where people like make fun of farquaad to his face oh you're talking about uh when that was because it's been a while but that that was when the play right he was yeah in the he's like hey or fine leotard come yeah. men's sizes yeah <laughs> and like even that like the couple of jokes they make about farquaad's height it he's not there for it right like when she pushes him down in the wedding cake yeah and that's kind of like that's kind of a fun moment but again he's not there for it so we don't really know his like relationship to that again talking about Tyrion lannister there's actually like a moment where he because he's a dwarf too and it one of his lines is like you know everyone who ever makes a joke about a dwarf thinks that they're the first one to do it and he actually like calls out almost exactly the same jokes that Shrek and Donkey mm-hmm. make about Farquaad. It's like a man of your stature or something or like mm-hmm. no one can ever Short measure supply, up to you or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually really surprised they didn't do anything with that now. I don't know if it's a good choice. I think it's fine that they don't do that because like it might kind of distract, it might kind of complicate things in terms of like thematically. I don't mm-hmm. know. Because I like his main function, I think, is just to be like anti fairy tale creatures. So right. like we know that Shrek will never be accepted, and we know that once he finds out Fiona is an ogre, it's done because he's so aggressively against yeah. all fairy tale creatures. It looked like he was ready to. He pulled a knife on her. He was yeah. Like, Yo, ah, oh, you about to be locked up for this? Right, because it's a very political wedding for him. Right. Also, I know, like, the answer to this, but I'm kind of asking this rhetorically, like, why is Fiona the one he picks? She's the only one he has to do any work to get. Yeah. It's like Scott Pilgrim choosing to fight all of Ramona's evil exes if he didn't have to. Right. 
and I, I get it it's like a choice for the story and they like they do like the thing where like the magic mirror does tinder before tinder right i i think he's a little bit inconsistent on a couple things but i i i don't think that's a problem like if there's any if there's anywhere for this movie to be inconsistent i think he's the least important one for them to choose right do you did you like scott did you see scott pilgrim dude i love scott pilgrim okay i think we should do an episode on that too i think we should i do not i don't like this movie was built up so much for me by all these movie people i watch and all these it was just built up to an insane amount and i just don't get it i don't get it stylistic choices and and music and and acting and and characters like i think chris evans is probably the most memorable to me because okay i'm already like (laughs) disagreeing on so many points so yes we should do this the 10th anniversary is this year so we've got a good excuse to do it yeah i think we should mark a calendar for that uh do you have anything else you want to say about farquad i I thought i didn't realize until just now that i thought he was supposed to be a character parading around as good like uh you're you know i'm your lord and you know um you know, you're supposed to look up to me. I'm good to my subjects and all that. But the first scene we see him in is the, the torture scene with Jinji. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wait, he wasn't supposed to be. You're supposed to know he's bad from the beginning. I don't know why I thought the opposite. Like, you're supposed to think he's good, but he's a surprise bad guy or something like that. But, no, that that's something uh, that's something Homelander pulls off really well. But, hmm. like I said, we'll get, we'll get to the boys. I'm so excited to do that. <laughs> I'm yeah, so don't don't spoil it for me. I you no, I don't think you did no. because I I saw the end of the first episode, so I know yeah. what you're talking about. But yes, <laughs> I still have to get through the rest of it. Um, <sighs> all right, so that does it for the minor characters. So we've already kind of talked about this a decent amount because it's just so layered in the movie. But the last topic I have is the theme of prejudice. Yeah. So the overriding theme in the movie, and I think it's stated at least twice out loud, is don't judge people before you know them. Mm-hmm. It kind of hits us over the head with that. I don't think, it, again, like, it's a kid's movie. I don't think it's a bad thing. I definitely remembered that part of how I said, like, this has been ingrained in me. Like, I remember, like, the theme of this movie for as long as I can remember. Like, it's just, I've always gotten the point mm-hmm. of it, I guess. Which I can't really say for most other movies that I saw when I was really little. Like Spider-Man? I was actually not that little when I saw Spider-Man. I was, like, oh. 10, so... But that one hits you over the head with it, too. Um, <laughs> uh, can you explain what you meant or elaborate when you said the repeated line, really, really, really? Yeah, so I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm trying to impose meaning on this retroactively, but this line comes up three times. One character will say, really? And the other one says, really, really? So mm-hmm. the first time is when Shrek first meets Donkey, yep. and then the second time is when they're crossing the bridge together at the dragon's mm-hmm. castle and then the third time is at the end right after fiona turns into an ogre and he's like right no, but you are beautiful and she's like really 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 yes. so i kind of see that as like all three characters i, I guess not really donkey because his is very like the, the time when it comes up for him is very situational he's just mm-hmm. like i don't want to go over so it's not really like a character flaw thing for him but for the other two they're like oh like you don't mind that i'm an ogre like it's basically mm-hmm. both times the context of that really and then the other character's like yeah i don't mm-hmm. and but like they need that like extra affirmation I, maybe i'm reading way too deep into that but that was kind of how i read it mm-hmm. Because I wondered about that, because, like, I've noticed that that line's repeated. I'm like, you know, normally if a line's repeated and it's not for, like, a um, callback joke, like, in an Edgar mm-hmm. Wright movie, like, it's usually thematic. Like, I know one movie that does that a lot of Batman Begins, where, it, like, it calls back, like, three or four different lines, and, like, it's very much for thematic effect. So I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this. Mm-hmm. As I said, maybe I'm wrong about that, but... Um, that's kind of what I was thinking of with that. 
I think that's also another one we should do because that's another one I don't get the hype behind. Batman the Begins. Dark Knight trilogy. Mm. The whole trilogy. I don't get it. I don't get oh, it. Oh, well, I'm a I huge Nolan Knight, so I might be. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why I want to do it. Yeah, that, those those would be good ones to do. Also, I I have like slight news about Batman Begins that I'll save for the Ooh. outro. So, like, just the the last little point for the theme of prejudice that I want to talk about is like. I don't know how intentional this is, but it is something that comes up a little bit. Is pretty much every time we meet a character, there's some kind of like expectation that gets subverted of it, even if it's really quick. I mean, mostly this comes up with Fiona. At first, she seems like a mm-hmm. typical like princess, and then after like a little bit, we realize she's not. And she's a bigger character, so there's like a longer time that we wait for that to happen. But then we we also get it with Farquaad. We see like him walking and he looks really intimidating and then he gets into the room and we realize oh he's like two feet tall so it's like a little bit of a it's -hmm. kind of like first impression oh but really they're like this and then the same i think even the fairy tales like when he they first get to the swamp like the witches are freaking coming in like airplanes and and the mice are annoying him the the big bad wolf is like just as great like you you you'd expect the big bad wolf to be like based on the well it is because like uh, that's his whole point is that he like but i I, you know Mm -hmm. what you're right though because like it is kind of like um because the point in the fairy tale is that like he eats the grandmother and pretends to be her but like here he's just chilling in like you know the grandma outfit and then Mm -hmm. they they play the joke again at the very beginning of the second one where he for some weird reason goes back to Fiona's castle and is waiting for Prince Charming. He's just like, oh, <laughs> what are you doing here? Which is like, I, I really don't understand. Like, there's no character motivation behind that joke. I think it really works, but it's like, just why? <laughs> yeah, so the one other character that I saw that with mostly was the dragon, where it's like, at first it's just, you know, uh... it's a dragon. Um, and then, like, Donkey gets to talking to it and finds out, like, oh, it's like a really lonely dragon and oh it's a girl dragon and like this is a bit of an expectation that gets subverted there where it's like there's the first impression of the dragon being a dragon and then we find out that like it's actually kind of a horny dragon mm-hmm. yeah i i think that lends itself well it's pretty subtle it's kind of the only subtle thing about this movie but it mm-hmm. i think it does play into that theme a little bit i guess you could say the dragon was in heat (laughs) uh yeah i think we could Uh, (laughs) Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about this or the sequels i i i should have asked this before but have you seen all four of them actually the four sequels Uh, well the three sequels um aren't isn't there Oh wait, no! I'm too caught up in the memes. There's a there's only four Shrek movies, right? Yeah, I have heard maybe they're gonna do a fifth one, but I have no idea how confirmed that is. That might just be some fan pipe dream. But no, I because I watch uh, Jack's films, the YouTuber, and he has like a few running jokes in some of his videos, and one of them is like Garfield. Another one is like when is Shrek Five coming out? And I'm like based on watching so many of those videos i'm like oh there is a shrek 5 by now right but i just realized there was only four the final one shrek forever after i started to watch some of it but i think i had to go to work and i was like what the hell's going on here because like fiona had forgotten who shrek was or something yeah i I actually just saw that like in preparation for this i was like i i've never seen it i i feel like if there's any time to watch it it's now it was free on imdb tv it works. It's nothing like the first two in terms of like like it's nowhere near that good. But it, mm-hmm. they did okay with it. It kind of rounds things out. I don't think it was necessary, but I I was surprised. It was better than I expected it to be. Uh. But yeah, I think really the only two that like really work are one and two. Mm. Which I don't I don't know if that's kind of too bad or whatever. But I know the second one like as a it's a sequel that is just as good i do remember when that came out because i saw that one in theaters and i remember 
everything had Shrek on it leading up to that because it was like that made so much money and like literally I think oh you mean like marketing wise yeah like we would go to the grocery store and play I Spy Shrek because he was on everything he was it was like (laughs) gummy candy and all these sorts of promotional things on other go-gurts yeah go-gurts and pop-tarts and all and and didn't they even have them in a few fast it might have been only one because normally with deals like that i think it's only one fast food restaurant but probably he must have been in happy meals there's no way that he wasn't yeah (laughs) i don't remember getting any but that had to have happened yeah wendy's used to have toys i don't know what happened the toys were trash because nobody knew what the heck they actually were but um, yeah i was actually just talking to someone about those yesterday like so did taco bell Dude, I don't even know if they have them anymore, but I remember they had those for, like... I know we got all the ones for... This is the weirdest movie to get it for, but Jungle Book 2. What? I think they came out when, like, we were moving somewhere. Mm-hmm. And... Because, like, we didn't go to McDonald's a lot. But mm-hmm. when we were on the road, like, you kind of yep. didn't have a choice. So I think we ended up with, like, all the ones for Jungle Book 2, which... I It must have just... I don't know what time that was but it must have been whenever that was coming out um <laughs> i had like i think it was burger king burger king was like the last to go before mcdonald's just kind of took it all over um, are they actually gone or are we just like not getting them anymore <laughs> i know mcdonald's definitely still has them because i saw them in philly every time i'd stand in line they always had something current on their thing but i i'm not 100 percent sure about burger king but i i had like two dragon ball z toys before i completely knew what dragon ball z was i don't even know why they why dragon ball z had a deal with burger king for toys like i mean why not sure but i based on the demographic i don't like i think it was on like adult swim or something like something kids couldn't watch but they made kids toys it was weird but i had like one of the toys before i knew actually even who the character was i I just played with them but then once i learned like i'm a huge dbz head now but once i learned who it was i was like oh that's who this guy was all along yeah yeah it's it's just weird a lot of these fast food restaurants did have like taco bell i said had like some sort of the only thing i remember getting from them was like some sort of like monster skaters that had magnets in the bottom of their feet and <laughs> wow that the, the skateboards had I magnets that thing too. died fast <laughs> yeah i don't even know what they were supposed to be called but i mean i i actually love the toys i'd never used skateboards because i just used them as action figures but yeah, that yeah. must have been just one of those things that they were hoping would take off. And yeah. like, yeah, Taco Bell does that a lot. Wow, so much nostalgia. <laughs> I don't even remember any of my Wendy's toys, though. To be honest, I didn't even know Wendy's had them. As I said, we didn't we didn't eat fast food a lot. I, do you remember Beyblades though? I never had any, but I do remember them. Like I'd see okay, people that battling. Was like the only one of. Like, those kinds of toys. That, maybe I'm forgetting others, but, like, I remember having those. Mm. Yeah. Those you, were, were kind of Yu-Gi-Oh, fun. too? You, they, would ban- they banned Yu-Gi-Oh in my elementary school because we planned... I don't either. know if they got banned, but I know everyone had Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon when I was yeah. in, like, kindergarten to third grade or whatever. And I never got into it, but I know None of us did. knew how to play, so we'd just be like, hey, you can't do that. Well, you don't know because none of us know the rules. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, like, you can barely read, so it's just like, you know. Yeah. Like, like, this card looks cool. I don't know what the description says, but I'm going to use this, and I'll make up the description of what it does. I did that with my brother all the time. I'd constantly beat him because I had, like, two of the strongest cards in the game. I think we're banned. Wait, is your is your brother older or younger than you? Younger. Oh, man. Yep. Okay. I would kick his that butt That is constantly. such... <laughs> feels so bad. I'm I'm a little bit surrogate mad at you because yeah. like my older brother would do that kind of stuff to me all the time. Yeah. He still makes up his own rules for stuff. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> there was one card where it would destroy the entire board for Yu-Gi-Oh, but I didn't know that I didn't even know what discard meant. But you had to discard five cards in order to use it. And then so he, he just yep. pulled out a blew up random the whole description field. for discard. Well, yep. <laughs> But anyway, that's 
Yeah. Yeah. Early two thousands were a lit time. Pretty uh, freaking lit. You don't exactly still have to look very far to find other Shrek things. True. I wouldn't recommend looking it up, but there's Shrek is love, Shrek is life. No, nope. don't do that. No. I didn't know what it was, but I'd heard of it, so nope. I looked it up a few nights ago in preparation. Nope. Just like, okay, this is part of the culture. No. Nope. Shrek may be love, no. and he may be life. No, Evan. But um, <laughs> not the way that these guys no. <laughs> tend to think. It is like. Let's just say it's not safe for work. <laughs> oh, oh, it's not safe for life, dude. Oh, yeah, I, I'm I'm amazed that my view of Shrek is not completely tarnished by this. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's he is a pop culture icon to this day. Not always in the best ways, but, you know. Memes and quotes and all that. Yeah. It, it holds up. Some of the animation is uh, a little dated, but... Yes. Yes, I was looking at pay attention to that last night. I was like, this could have easily been a really B movie that nobody nobody had ever seen. Well, I think for the time the animation was awesome because you look at yeah, yeah, other yeah. stuff and like I'm saying I now, Dreamers yeah. only other movie. Well, I think their only other 3D movie at that time was Ants, which doesn't Didn't, age yeah. nearly as well. Yeah. Um, and I think the sequels helped too, but like the yeah. animation is. For 2001, it's really good. Yeah. For 2020, mm -hmm. it's like some of the movements look a little bit weird. Yes. But for the most part, it holds up. Uh, what did you want to say about Batman Begins? Oh, yeah. Just some boilerplate stuff. So upcoming episodes, we're going to do one on The Boys, the yes. Amazon series. I just started it. Let me just say, the way I wanted to watch it, was because I saw a compilation of Homelander. I was like, yo, who is this dude? And once I saw that five-minute video on YouTube, I was like, mom, do we have Amazon Prime? Because I need to watch this show right now. And I'm pretty sure I binged six episodes that night and then finished the next two the next day. Wow. But, yeah, I, I, let's just say I won't be, uh, I'll be talking a whole lot for that one. Okay, yeah, I mean... I, I like it so far, but I'm only one episode in. Um, uh, but I'm I'm excited for more, which I didn't think I would be, but yes. I am. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's going to be our next one. I was planning to do one on Casino Royale, but I don't know about that because I was going to do it before No Time to Die, but now because of the coronavirus, that just got pushed back to November. Mm. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that because it was supposed to come out in like April, but... Anyway, so that might be an upcoming episode. I've actually never seen a James Bond film in its entirety. I've seen hmm. Goldfinger, like, the back half of it, but... Yeah, I mean, whether we do it or not, definitely go check out Casino Royale. It's so good. And it's, a, it's something I can watch without really knowing much about James Bond. Oh, yeah, well, that's kind of the hallmark of what James Bond is. They're, Great. I mean, aside from the Daniel Craig ones, they kind of tried to connect those, but all the other ones, it's just kind of like you can... They're all kind of the same movie. That's kind of their appeal. So we might be doing one on that in the near future, but I don't know. Dark Knight, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, so all the ones we talked about. Um, I haven't done any preparation for those, but I definitely would like to do those. Mm -hmm. I have one planned for The Hobbit, just kind of all things The Hobbit. I don't know when that's going to be. Seen those either. Yeah, yeah, that one might be be a while. In other news, uh, Descended Awakening is releasing yes. soon. What's April the exact day? Second, April second. Get your copy now. And it's I, on Amazon. Yeah. Yes, Amazon Kindle. If you just look it up, look up Descended uh, Awakening on Amazon. You should be able to find it. it should be at the top. Only ten dollars. Only ten dollars. I think we should do like. Maybe a little bit of like a mini prep episode or something before it releases, just to build a little bit more hype around it. But we're okay. definitely doing a spoiler look at it after release. Yeah, spoiler-filled interview um, of sorts. That'll be coming in within the next couple months. We'll try to get it out soon after the release. Yes. And then this isn't as big of news, but I have a column that I'm starting to write for my internship with AfterBuzz TV, so I'm doing a thing where I have two movies that are like similar to each other and I put them head to head and decide which one's better. 
The first one that just got released, and I'll put a link to this in the notes, is Inception versus The Matrix. Uh, you can all guess which one won. Um, <laughs> I don't think that if anyone anyone who knows me knows which one's going to win that. But I've also written one. They're not released yet, but they will be soon. On Batman Begins versus Casino Royale, and okay. then Endgame versus Days of Future Past. Oh, yeah. Time travel. And I, I am not going to say who who won those, but I can tell you that they were both pretty close. So yeah, you can send in comments to intanalysis18 at gmail.com, and you can like us on Facebook and leave reviews on iTunes. And as of about three hours ago you can find us on twitter at int analysis 18 and as of about two days ago you can find me on twitter at davos watson i don't know if i'm going to keep that username but what it's is that from? it's davos seaworth and john watson so game of thrones and sherlock holmes i don't mm. know if i'm going to keep that but it's sufficiently nerdy for me for the moment so what was the twitter int analysis 18 literally i just made the account like an hour before we started recording so it probably has no followers at the moment but by the time i get this out maybe i'll have spread it around a little bit i have nothing but a logo and a name on it for the moment though but yeah do you uh where can people reach you you can find me on instagram feel free to dm me at base phoenix i also stream every night except fridays now on twitch at jbase phoenix because somebody took my thing but yeah, there I you could just find me streaming uh, any sort of writing thing. Like uh, I've written two short stories so far on stream. I do live readings in in character for any character that's in the story. And um, right now we're going through we're editing the second book in the series. Nice. So. Okay, so I think that's pretty much it on our Shrek about or ugh, on our episode about Shrek and many other extraneous things. But uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye, y'all.